This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Guess what? Happy Tuesday to all of you. And here in Park City, it's still snowing. It's snowing sideways. We were talking before the podcast about all the stuff we were doing this time last year that were summer activities. Mm, yeah. And I was clearing my property this morning. Now, look, I know we've talked about the weather a lot this year because it's summer. I think I remember but, summer. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> it does feel like that log lost lover at this point, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Summertime. Summertime. I was scrolling huh. through footage today for one of our upcoming videos, and, it, and I was scrolling through footage of one of our like peak summer videos. And I just, I literally stopped and just went, Ah, summer heat. Now, speaking of, we have been to California. Oh yes, lately a few times, so we have experienced not snow. True, which has been good, and it's allowed us to shoot some incredible pieces. We have a great hot hatchback piece coming up this week. You obviously have already seen all the info about it, but it's the GR Corolla, the Civic Type R, and the Golf R that is coming this week. We just shot another cool piece, Elantra and WRX. That's coming soon. But did you see? Our very special video this past weekend. Did you see it? Did you see the drag race video? There was one weekend that was actually clear and dry, even though it was still really cold. Yes. And we did a drag race. Cold, yes. But I will say, I think my deeply bolstered seats prevented me from getting out of the car more quickly. <laughs> and the door was too long, and I'm making excuses okay, now. So fine. It's the deeply bolstered seat, and I had to pick my butt up out of that thing. And there's a reason I didn't bring the Lotus. Out. I didn't bring the Lotus because I realized we'd be all be waiting, which would be its own funny thing, waiting on me to get out of the Lotus. Plus, I could not get the Lotus out of the frozen garage it stored in. <laughs> well, which is the reason that. I bring it that. Yeah. Uh-huh. But but if you haven't seen our drag race video, please go watch it because the people that have seen it, it's like one of our road trip pieces. The people that have seen it, you people have loved it, and thank you for your commentary. Thank you for sharing it and watching it. And we just we had fun. It was an April Fool's yeah. video, so we just had fun with YouTube car culture in all in one video. Yes, there were people who definitely took it way too seriously. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. As long as you and I can laugh at ourselves, we have to be able to laugh at ourselves we, and we, laugh at the industry and laugh at cars and laugh at YouTube, right? We do not take ourselves seriously. Now, this video was released on April 1st, which was also lost on some people, but it is amazing. You do reveal with a video like this, who came in with a sense of humor and who did not? <laughs> who, who has not seen their sense of humor in some time? Okay, exactly. and you could tell in the cast like, "Wow, okay, it's buried so, in the blizzard you know, outside." Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, we were we were having fun. This is all a joke. Let's yeah. all calm down. But by and large, most of you watched it and got it, and thank you, and we love that you're sharing it too. Our friends at Blipshift have created the Happiness Ahead and Daily Triple shirt. The new offerings are on the page now. They're on our partner store. So if yep. you go to blipshift.com and you can navigate to our Everyday Driver partner store, you can find there. And there's even still time for the prior NA Miata shirt, the Not Fast But Furious mm-hmm. shirt. So you could order all three right now. You could. And the Happiness Ahead and Daily Triple shirts are re-released in new color schemes. Yes, this is a black shirt in yellow. It actually is really, really cool for Happiness Ahead. It's I very striking. I actually need yet another one. And then Daily Triple is a really cool like golf livery orange on black which also looks yeah. really great. And all of my daily triple shirts are worn out. So again, I may be shopping at Blipshift here shortly. I, I, I think 85% of my wardrobe is now 
all blip shift. It has all been transformed. Our entire wardrobes have been transformed. I, it's difficult for me to dress up ever. I have the reverse problem of my father. Growing up, my father had a, a line because he was, I mean, it was the like, 80s. Suits and ties, and it was right? Suits and ties. Yeah. And like triple-breasted and the whole, he had oh, the really? vest. He had the vest and the whole, I mean, it was like He throw did down. three piece. Yes, exactly. So it was a really? throw down, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s. He had a litany of very, very nice suits and no idea how to dress casually. To this day, can't dress casually to save his life. I have been on hikes with this man, and I'm like, is that what you're wearing? He's like, yeah. But I'm like, you know, that's going to get dirty like, and looks like you just like got lost stepping out of the car, right? Wingtips? I, I, have, I have the reverse problem where when I have to dress up really nicely, I just stare at my closet like, huh. Yeah, which, which lip <laughs> shirt should I wear? And then which hoodie should I wear over it? You know it. Well, guess what, everyone? The Porsche Cayman GT4, the 718T, and the Boxster Spider are being discontinued for 2024. Hmm. Apparently, a Porsche spokesman has said limited production phases are a natural part of the process <laughs> and part of the overall product strategy. Don't be alarmed, everyone. Sure. It's fine. Yeah. It's disappointing because I don't feel like they're coming back in their current form ever. No, no, The no. problem with this is not that they're being discontinued. It's that all the existing models will go up in value now. Yes. And, and if you want one, you're going to have to pay even more. And the last few possibly will be um, burdened with markup, which would be worse. Yeah. So maybe they just kind of plan the life cycle and it's part of the thing and maybe hybrids are coming at us. Well, but we I have to know. also expect that this 718 era of the Porsche Cayman and Boxster is coming to a close anyway, and that whatever the next one's going to be has to be on the horizon. So we're going to have suppose. some last hurrah models followed by Generation Next. Spring project season is here, and it's time to take care of your old and worn-out brakes. Our friends at PowerStop are offering you, our listeners, a special discount. Whether it's your daily driver or that performance car that's been sitting in the garage during the entire winter, every car deserves low dust, noise-free performance braking, and PowerStop is here to help. All of April 2023, you can get 15% off all PowerStop brake upgrade kits and components on Auto Anything with promo code EverydayDriver. Just head to AutoAnything.com and fill in your vehicle's information to be matched with complete PowerStop kits and components that come with everything you need for an easy bolt-on installation. Whether you need to refresh the life of your brakes with a stock replacement kit or you want to transform your vehicle's stopping power with carbon fiber ceramic pads, drilled and slotted rotors, whatever you need, PowerStop has the solution for you. Head to AutoAnything.com and save 15% on all PowerStop brake products all month long with code EverydayDriver. Our topic Tuesday is right up your alley, Paul. Corey's writing in and asking about designs ahead of their time, and his example I find fascinating. Corey writes in and says, look, everyone jokes about the Pontiac Aztec. That's right. This is an idea that is starting with the premise of the Pontiac Aztec as a serious product. He said everybody jokes about it. It was a fastback crossover before anyone had even thought about it. He said, in fact, it was a crossover before everyone was making one, and yet it was ugly, and we laugh at it. But it got him thinking about cars whose designs were actually just ahead of their time. And maybe if they were still around, they would sell. I wonder about that Aztec on GM's new Ultium platform. <laughs> it's a full EV. Yes. Well, we'd have to shorten it a little bit so the range got shorter. But the still. Aztec EV. You could build it. Yeah, the, the platform there that the, the Lyric is on. Imagine the, the idea of the Aztec designed better, which is a low bar, on the Lyric platform. This has spawned an entire other thought, Corey, and that is every weird brand or car name 
that you thought was dead could be resurrected, and when it's plopped on an EV platform, suddenly it's hip and cool and fresh and new. Well, and we own the IP. We've talked about this before. We own that name, so let's just make another electric vehicle with that old name. Yeah. Yeah. Like, imagine a Granada EV, fresh and cool. (laughs) Well, maybe not the Granada. (laughs) The EV Ford. Ford Pinto. Fort Pinto, the Pinto. But you never have, you don't have mm. any gasoline explosion problems anymore because it's an EV now. Come, well, come back to Pinto. Come, come on back to Pinto. Been a while since your last Pinto. Come <laughs> on down. <laughs> well, Corey gives some examples here, and I actually came up with a few others I want to discuss. I here. did as well. Yeah, you got some great ideas here. Corey lists the second generation 08 to 2015 Honda Pilot. Talking about the first gen was being very pointy and sort of aerodynamic. The second gen being boxy and rugged looking. You're right. They mm-hmm. entirely changed their design parameters and their, their entire design language Same for the, era when for the they next generation. Introduced the Ridgeline, which was very which was the Cybertruck before the Cybertruck. Yes. Yes. And the reason it was discontinued was because it didn't have the the split line between uh-huh. cab and bed and it wasn't cool then. <laughs> But now it's suddenly cool because it's the Cybertruck and it's all EV. This is what I'm talking about. I agree with you. Ridgeline, not cool. Cybertruck, cool. Super cool. Yeah. But but it's practically the same. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Honda could be well within their rights to bring back that original Ridgeline design Mm -hmm. and plop it on an EV chassis. Yeah. Ooh. Well, hmm. I'll get there. <laughs> Ideas thoughts. are happening. I love it. It's Number two, Corey says the FJ Cruiser. This one's easy. Mm. Now that Ford can't make Broncos fast enough, he writes, Toyota's missing out. When the FJ was killed off, it was running the drivetrain the current forerunner uses. Toyota wouldn't have to do anything to qualify it. It already meets emissions, wipe the dust off the robots, flip <laughs> on the production line, and start cranking them out. That's how easy production is. You just wipe the dust off the you robots. They've been sitting there been waiting. Sitting there, waiting for their next Terminator on. instructions. There's and, yeah. nothing to manufacturing. It's mm-hmm. just that easy. He says, maybe even throw on Fox suspension, a unique color, and offer a TRD Pro model. Well, I mean, they're already kind of our excellent rock crawlers. Yes. But then offer a rollback roof like the Land Rover Discovery or a glass roof. Okay, got some ideas there. And then number three on the list is the Subaru Baja, the Outback wagon Uh, with the top cut off in the back cargo area. Mm -hmm. Start producing them today. Wipe the dust off the robots again. Uh All these dusty robots everywhere, all over the world, just waiting to crank out old cars again. Put the adventure package they offer on the current Outback, and then you'd have something to go against the Maverick Tremor. I see it. Yeah. I, I, we just this, noticed a billboard the other day. That X-Pro package is on the Hyundai uh, Telluride. Yes, the Telluride. Sorry, the Kia Telluride. The, yeah, now Hyundai, getting Kia, the, whatever the same, they're right? calling it. The, yeah, the X-Pro, whatever it is. X-Pro, it's like, yes. Off-road package that they put in the Swinto Why did prior. you wait to do this? Don't know. Unknown. Just to generate more sales? Like, to, Okay. Corey even actually goes straight to my heart. He said, what about my favorite, the Isuzu Via Cross? He said, the, the exterior styling was so weird, it's timeless. I actually think you're onto something there, Corey. So weird, it's, it's no timeless. no weirder now than it was then. You still like that thing? Yeah, inexplicably. Really? I just, yeah, I do, inexplicably. Really? And it actually had a fairly decent four-wheel drive system, but I also heard that they don't run real well. So there is that problem. But he said, what if that was introduced today? Wouldn't it get tons of recognition? It might actually, to your point, Corey, be more accepted now than it was then. Corey also offers up the fifth-generation Honda Prelude. If you had seen this car and Honda introduced it today as a front-wheel drive alternative to the GR86, mm. Corey thinks it would be a hit. The styling was great. Once again, though, the interior is too old, and 
they can't just kick the assembly line back on. It's just they they plug it back into the wall and you know it, flip yeah. the giant breaker and then the we're one back that goes to junk and you yeah. hear the generators that everything one. spools up and then it's robots making preludes. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. His postscript says he's listening to episode 786 when we're talking about the EV Explorer built by Volkswagen. <laughs> that was an April Fool's joke. Remember that a year ago? It's like Sabaru. Yeah. Well, Volkswagen was a thing for an April Fool's joke from them anyway. Wondering why Ford isn't building it on the Mach-E platform. Mm-hmm. Primarily because it's for Europe is my understanding. And so they already build the ID4s there. So that kind of made it easy. But Volkswagen products seem to be subpar. Ooh. As far as EV goes, you said that the, the Mach-E has gotten much better. And we've yeah. actually praised the Mach-E over the ID4 too. But it's an interesting question. His second postscript. <laughs> he was listening while typing. <laughs> much, I, you know, Corey, I really appreciate that. Thank you, man. That's so funny. He's hearing you, Todd, talk about the Infinity FX35 mm-hmm. and how weird it was at the time. Is it so weird it's timeless? Is it in that weird and timeless category? I don't think that No, it was, it was much more pedestrian in styling, yeah. I mean, if we're going weird and timeless, it's the BMW Z3 shoe, the coupe. Yeah, that was weirdly timeless. It's, the, it's, it's from like the era of the Via Cross, though. Red fan. Apparently, they were making weirdly timeless things around that era. Moving on, yeah. Let's start with the 1934 Chrysler Airflow. Notable because it was the first car to be designed, be designed using wind tunnel testing. Okay. Okay. I'm just kind of before it's time. Everybody seems to take into consideration the coefficient of drag. And this is what sells EVs now. That's part of the marketing speak. Mm, yeah. Certainly the Tucker yeah. Torpedo, where it offered up auto safety features like seat belts way before federal safety laws, disc brakes, and a, that you know third swiveling headlight, because my Cayman's got swiveling headlights. The GR86 had swiveling headlights. To your point, we own the IP. Let's bring all the things back as an EV. The Chrysler Airflow is rumored oh, there it for is. 2025. There it is, right yep. there, the Chrysler Airflow. They're bringing back the name. Uh-huh, because Chrysler, in case you haven't noticed, they make a minivan. That's what they do. They make a minivan. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Been like 82 years since you've had another Chrysler Airflow? 82 <laughs> years between generations or whatever it is. Your grandfather's grandfather's Chrysler is back. <laughs> Boss's old grandfather's Chrysler. How about, Corey, the Porsche 356 and 911s? Sure. Because imagine designing a car with no front air intake much like designers are tasked with designing True. EVs today. There are some EVs for, that do for brake cooling and actually battery cooling. Mm-hmm. However, design a car that doesn't looks good and mm-hmm. doesn't have a front air intake. Yeah. That's pretty much today's design brief. That is true. EVs. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Of course, on the list has to be the 1981 AMC Eagle Wagon mm, okay. and sedan and right. that coupe with different styling. This is the foundations of what people that buy cars now. That's what were embodied in those cars. I want the lifted four-door wagony thing that's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all-wheel drive CUV. We didn't know what the word SUV or CUV meant. How about, since you brought up the Prelude, Corey, the Ford Probe. I hate that name. It's terrible weird. name, but yes. Front-wheel drive, front-engine layout, mm-hmm. and they looked really cool. Let's you know, call it something different, but still. <laughs> I can't believe they settled on the name, but whatever. And they, and they thought it would replace the Mustang, which is even I know. more amazing. Yeah. Uh-huh. But as far as kind of a entry-level, kind of affordable yeah. performance sedan, yeah. okay, it's front-wheel drive chassis, all right. And you know, certainly they were sharing them with, with Mazdas mm-hmm. underneath to, to get that done. Also on my list is the GM EV1 from the late 90s. GM's essentially first electric car. I mean, first kind of electric car that got people interested and kind of intrigued about EVs. 
And then, of course, the Toyota Prius is on my list, too. It's just barely before its time, but its time is now. It started out sort of like, what is that thing? Mm. All right, you got good gas mileage, but is that like is that like a real car, or is that just <laughs> plays you know, that on has TV? drum brakes on the back, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. The Honda Insight has to be included here because over 20 years ago, it got 53 miles to the gallon on a three-cylinder engine. I thought of the Insight. I have four, but that's one of the four. I have to stop on the Insight. Really? Right okay. Right. okay. Because okay. think about the Insight. If, if, and what I'm talking about when I think about the Insight, and I think you are too, it's that little pod one. Yeah. It looks like a little launch pod from a Star like, Trek film. Like a smaller okay? CRX. Yes. And it got, you're right, it got 50-something miles to the gallon. But where is that exact design now as an EV? Yeah, it had a 10-kilowatt electric motor on the flywheel, and it had a manual transmission. Yes. And they're bragging 53 MPG, and nowadays it's sort of like, ooh, you get 53. Hmm, hello. Yes, and that's the thing. I think they could sell ago. it right now like it was, but then I have to ask the question of, what is that as a lightweight EV? It looks like the future still. We saw one in L.A. a week ago. We both went, an insight. <laughs> and it just and it just yes. looked cool. It didn't look like oh, you remember though. It didn't have that kind of oh, one of those old things. It's just like no, that's just cool. That was from two thousand one. Yes, not a space odyssey, but still, <laughs> that was twenty two years that, ago. That, that one I think recording. is it, literally it's turnkey. Still yeah. look good. That means mm-hmm. cars last a long time. Yeah. Also, since you touched on this earlier, the Volkswagen. Mm. The joint builds entered my mind. Okay. And the one that was before its time was the Chrysler TC by Maserati. <laughs> okay. All right. It's terrible, but they kind of set a precedent. I know there have been other collaborations, but the Mercedes GLA and Infiniti Q30 are the exact same car, same platform, engine, point. transmission, and key. Fair point. All right. And yeah, you're right, Corey. We've got the Explorer EV being built on that Volkswagen MEB platform. But the 2024 Honda Prologue and Acura ZDX will use the GM Ultium battery platform. Mm. We're going to see more of this if car companies want to enter a niche. They don't have the platform or the ability to do it. Honda, in comparison to GM, is a tiny little car company. They're big, but yeah, yeah, yeah. they're nothing relative, in comparison yeah. to the size of GM. So, mm-hmm. hey, we need a platform. And they put it on that Ultium battery. And GM, I'm sure, is happy to license that out. Oh, for sure. Just as Volkswagen is happy to license it to theirs to Ford. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're going to see more collaborations, just like we've seen the GR86 and GT86. Yep. The GR Supra. Yep. We're... It's a precedent. I mm-hmm. think that will become actually more prevalent that will set, you know, what we're asking the question now. Let's ask that again in 20 years. What was the precedent for that? Mm-hmm. I think it's joint mm-hmm. builds. I've got three cars that I thought of that I think if they were sold right now, they would sell. Okay. And, of course, in all cases, I'm sure the tech would have to be updated, like the interior tech, okay? But otherwise, just sell that car. My Nissan 300ZX. Yeah. Imagine that with updated tech from the factory, 300ZX. Looks yes. gorgeous. Uh-huh. Well, let's just let's just that that has been unbelievably timeless. It that, really is. That in a modern showroom would be like and <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Another one I thought of, the Cadillac CTS wagon. Hmm. I think that has somewhat yeah. of a level of timeless styling. Get some modern wheels on it, improve okay. the tech on the interior. Okay. You could sell that at Cadillac right now. That doesn't look sure. like it doesn't belong there. Sure. The Cadillac CTS wagon, and my last one, because we already talked about the inside, but I thought about this. The Volkswagen Phaeton. 
oh my gosh, was under the radar because it had big boat executive styling that was also just kind of sleek and unassuming. And you know what that reminds me of right now? The Lucid. I think the Lucid Uh looks like the progression of the Phaeton styling. What if the Phaeton were out as an Alt-EV or a big executive cruiser EV or hybrid? What about a plug-in hybrid Phaeton that does 50 miles to the gallon? Which mm. just, I'm talking the styling of when they stopped making them in, in, in Europe, which was you know like four or five years after they stopped making them here, all right? But just tweak just the slightest bit again, the tiniest bit. Mm-hmm. Because I mm-hmm. think it, has, it doesn't have the flash of the other guys. It's never had the flash of the Audis and the Mercedes and the BMWs. Of course, BMW now is like, look at me, how crazy I am. Yeah. The Phaeton was never that, but the Lucid isn't that either. The Lucid just looks like just kind of well-proportioned shape with interesting lighting. That's what the Phaeton could be now. Wow. You double-stack the MEB platform battery. Sure. There's plenty of space in that Phaeton to put a small engine. Yeah. Well, it would be a two-liter turbo, I suppose. It would right? be the EA888. It would be the EA888. <laughs> be the EA triple eight. <laughs> of course it would be. Yeah. yeah. And then stack a battery down on that floor, and you've plenty of space. You wouldn't worry about weight because the car's already really heavy. It was way too heavy the first time. It wouldn't weigh any more, really. Yeah. That's a great idea. And you, yeah, you'd have a Lucid competitor. I think so. Volkswagen has nothing like that in their lineup. The Ardeon is not even close nope. in size. Nope. Hmm. Anyway, ahead of their time. I, this, this is an interesting preponderance, Corey, and I think all of you are probably playing along at home, which we love. That's the joy of Topic Tuesdays. If you have a fun Topic Tuesday, send it to us, TV at Gmail. We love hearing from you guys, not only just the Topic Tuesdays, but, of course, your car debates and your random ponderances. We thoroughly enjoy it. Gordon M. is in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, writing to us, asking if he should buy a stretched golf cart. (laughs) Yes. Thanks for writing. Excellent. Sure. Mm -hmm. Well, Gordon is in Toronto. He's got a winter place in Florida, though. Mm, Okay. His abridged car history, abridged, mind you, includes a Volkswagen Scirocco, an Explorer. Mm. He had a pickup truck, a GMC Sierra, Volvo S70, Acura MDX. He had a Mercedes ML, Audis, a couple of Audis, Audi Q7, Audi S5 Cabriolet. He's had a Tesla Model S, 911S Cabriolet from the 997 generation, Cayenne Diesel. Oh, another Audi S5. Currently has BMW X3 and the X550e. He's got a 2024 model on order as the new daily to replace the C3 and S5. Interesting. But he and, and his MOF are looking for a second vehicle for their Florida home. Gordon would like a convertible tourer or a two, two plus two. Mm-hmm. So there's room for two passengers and their medium-sized dog. He loved the 911 that he had, but he wants to try something else, like a V8 Mustang or Camaro. That's where he went, and his wife went, no, 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 no. we're not doing a V8 Mustang or a Camaro. He said he could maybe go for a classic, but the key is this car will sit on a battery tender when they're not in Florida. So it's going to sit, and when he arrives, it needs to run. So a classic might be out. Six or seven months out of the year, it will be sitting. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. He says, this classic, it would have to be reliable. Well, classics don't like to sit. Cars in general don't like to sit. Mm-hmm. EVs don't like to sit. Classic and an equal sign to reliable are not typically the same th- same thing. But okay, <laughs> all right, yeah. His MOF would like a pimped out stretch street legal golf cart. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Understand, they're easy to get in and out, and you'd have your car, your BMW, you'd have that as the... 
you know, regular car in case it rains. Mm-hmm. And then the pimped out golf cart. <laughs> I get it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Onward. They've got their two-car garage and drive their daily to Florida, so they only have room for one more vehicle because they have to garage their cars in their community at night. Got it. The maximum budget is $50,000. <laughs> the budget stretch is $50,000 and one penny. <laughs> so 50 uh, grand it is. I hear you. That's it. excellent. Very good, Gordon. I like your thoughts about new Mustang or Camaro, but happy, happy wife, happy life. And again, don't get that classic that's going to sit for six or seven months because you'll get there and it won't be in running shape. You're going to have to coax it to life. It's going to cough to life. It's not going to like to run. It's been sitting. And so you'll lose interest because you just want the car to drive around and you don't want to sit there wrenching on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How about the BMW 430i convertible? Yeah, that's really good. Now, you're going to have to go used because new, they were pushing 70 grand, but still, great, fine. That'd be the perfect car. Yes, you're already a BMW fan, a BMW owner. That I, I thought of that as well because watch our test drive on it. We were pleasantly surprised by that. It's car. amazing. Great yeah. power, convertible, yeah. plenty of space, two plus two. I also thought of the Mini Cooper convertible, some variation of. I have that on my list as well. Do you really? I think, I think that, that feels like a Florida fun convertible. Yeah, and, just, and, and when you, yeah, ha- and when exactly. you mention golf cart. I go Mini Cooper. That's true. I mean, not, not because they're equivalent, but because that kind of little chuckable feel that you like out of a golf cart as it goes five miles an hour, that right. translates to the Mini Cooper. But now you've got a convertible and a real car. A Fiat Jolly with fringe. <laughs> I'm sure you'd like the pimped out golf cart. Or, you, oh, you could do a UTV on 22s and drive that around Florida because that is a thing. I have that on my list. Are you serious? The UTV, of course. Oh my god. You know, the big old Polaris or the Razor, whatever you want to call it, get one of those. The, the questions could. you have to ask are what are the regulations to make them street legal in your area of Florida? They are technically street legal in a lot of communities. And in the summertime here in Park City, we see them on surface streets. Oh, yeah. I've been on yeah, yeah. Main Street Park City, which is the picturesque, the mining look, the thing you see from all the photos of Sundance of all the all the, all the multi multicolored miner homes. And the here comes the razor down the street <laughs> with the entire family going, Woohoo! I mean it just doesn't seem like those go together, but it happens. Yeah, it does. I suppose you could. And I do see the appeal of the golf cart because Based on your email here, Gordon, I understand that probably in the community it's easy to just hop in and buzz around and you still got a real car. Yes. But my wild card for you, take this into consideration. It's not something you need. Okay. But it's something I think you would really like because of what it is. Okay. And I thought Wrangler, but not just any Jeep Wrangler. Okay. The Wrangler Willys 4xE. Oh, interesting. Okay. The website says they start at $54,000. But if you're searching on autotempest.com, you can find them for slightly used right at $50,000. Look at you. A little bit either direction. I found a 2023 4xE in Idaho for $49,997. Okay. Okay. Got it. But the Willys version has that two-liter four-cylinder turbo motor a combined output of 375 horsepower and a pure electric range of 20 to 21 miles, mm. which means you can plug it into EV chargers wherever you go. Yeah. And it's yeah. a real Jeep. It's your yeah. beach Jeep, but it's EV Interesting. for a yeah. short period of time. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. Also, in the U.S., you're going to have to ask your CPA how to navigate that $7,500 <laughs> tax credit 
okay. seeing you're from Canada, but there there are possibilities there. Interesting point. That actually make it compelling. Plus, you've got a Jeep with the top you can pull back, yeah. the doors you can take off. Think of it as the surf Jeep, the beach Jeep. We're sure. just going bomb sure, around. Sure. Yeah. It's the 4 by e So you get better MPG. You can park in charging spots. Please don't hog them, and please yes. remove your car when it's done charging. This charges much more quickly than a full BEV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you get pure electric range enough to just cruise around. Sure. How much are you? How often are you going to need more than that? That's a great question. Right. You're right. Yeah. And the Willys version isn't the full Sahara. It's not the Rubicon. It's not the big beefy one. Because you're in Florida. Because you, you're you in aren't Florida. going to Moab. Still, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you're yeah. not rock crawling. But sure. You're, no, you're still in a Jeep. You want to feel like you're in a Jeep. Mm-hmm. But I think you'd really dig it. And it's the four-door. You'd have plenty of space for your dog and stuff. You guys might even road trip. You might even go try to find some swampy swamp, something. I don't know. (laughs) Swamp hunters. I like it. It's good. It's good. (laughs) Take a road trip. And I think you'd kind of dig it. And it's a real car. And it's just the fun toy. Mm -hmm. But it's still a real vehicle. It's not the golf cart. Interesting. All right. I see that. Give you that feel. That's good stuff. It's really good stuff. I already mentioned the Mini Cooper convertible and the Razor. We've already talked about both of those. I have another one that I bumped into and was like, huh, that's close. But then I have two actual recommendations coming up. But the one that's close is I kind of jokingly was like, you didn't like the Mustang or the Camaro, but what about a Challenger convertible? No, they don't make them from the factory. They're all conversions. However, as part of Dodge's ongoing this is the end parade okay dodge is actually partnering with a company called drop top customs that is actually making like factory approved convertibles for the last year the problem is the conversion work is 26 grand so put that on top of the cost of your challenger and you probably blow your fifty thousand dollar budget but nothing says throw down convertible quite like a challenger, which really doesn't come in convertible in Ooh. decent convertible form. So I did think of that. That was my weird, weird wild card. But I have two others for you that I was surprised are right in your budget okay. when you buy them used. And they're those cars that I think because you don't have them in your life otherwise, you get down and be like, I like driving this when we're down here. I like that we have this here. Okay. One is a Mercedes SL convertible. Go back to 2014, 2015. Yeah. It's kind of the boxy styling of that era. Those are out there like crazy for 50 grand. Mercedes SL. It doesn't have to work all the time. It'll, I mean, and of course, that I'm sure an old Mercedes, it'll take some maintenance when it needs it. But it's not like you're driving cross country. You're just top down enjoying it. It's nice to be in. The other one in that same category, you're going to shake your head at me, Paul, and I am fine with it. You know what there's a lot of at this budget? Used convertible luxury vehicle Maserati Gran Turismo. Oh my gosh. Why not? You drive oh down in your in your like I hate to put it this way, but you drive down in your real car, okay? You park the real car in the garage and you just pull out your Maserati Gran Turismo convertible because it's Florida and why not? The reason I landed there is actually because you were talking V8 Mustang and Camaro because I think you want some engine noise. And your wife is like, yeah. you know what? No, I don't want one of those. But a Maserati with the luxury Maserati interior. And then for you, Gordon, you have engine noise that's good. Great styling. Florida cruise car. I kind of like that the most. That is really good. Plus, 
every restaurant you roll up to, it'll probably make it to one of the cars out front. Maybe, but the reality is you got to hear that. You got to climb in it. Cold you're start, not, You're not up. asking it to do anything profound. You're asking no. it to be your fun, drop-top Florida car, Gran Turismo. Kind of makes me want to drop-top Maserati. S- suddenly, you're excited, aren't you? Florida. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. I mean, for no other reason, just to, like I'm going to. So you did it. Yeah, for sure. See, Gordon. You can say to all your neighbors, yeah, we keep the Maserati in Florida. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not a Canada car. That's a Florida car. That's a Florida car. That's I very funny. Saw one. <laughs> Going back to a few questions we haven't gotten to yet on Instagram, Peter, are you there? Asks about what car feature we tend to get hung up on. Hmm. Okay. Even though it really doesn't matter. Peter always checks the tow capacity of SUVs and trucks, even though he almost never tows anything. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. But that's the quarter mile time. You just want to know that you Uh can. Mm -hmm. You know what? I think it's tires. I always look at the tires. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of wondering, what did the car manufacturer choose to put on this? Now, I I know that car manufacturers work with all the tire companies, Mm -hmm. or at least two or three, so they have a selection in case something happens, production goes down, those tires aren't available, they still have options to put on their performance cars. An example is the Goodyear Eagle F1s that came on my Cayman GTS. That was the stock tire. You'd think, where are the Michelins? Well, that's because what if those weren't available? So they equipped some cars, but they all have the same performance rating. Mm -hmm. So I got rid of the Eagles and Put on the Michelins. I liked them better, but yep. okay, yep. that was me. But I'm always looking at tires and curious to know, all right, is this specific to this car? Like the tires on the Veloster N? They have that Hyundai N0 mm-hmm. designation yeah, yeah, yeah. on there. Like, okay, so this is specific to this car. That makes it really interesting. And then we get in other cars, and we can instantly tell this car is completely let down by the tires. Mm-hmm. What If you just upgraded a mild something better... We know we could get better performance or better better handling out of this car. Why'd you do that? You're mm. saving money. Mm. Okay, I get it, but it's usually always tires. Sometimes it's zero to sixty times because who cares? But also seating position is a big one. Lucas five S is giving us a cool track daily crush off of Instagram. He says hot hatches not sold in the US. Mm. The Renault Megan RS, the Hyundai I30N. And the Mercedes AMG A forty five, great hatches not sold in the U.S. the the simple The only simple part of this is the daily, and that is the AMG Mercedes. That's the daily. Okay. The okay. The, the reality is that the Hyundai i thirty N is superb. It's excellent. Yeah, it is. But so is the Renault Megane RS. I have to crush one of those, and that is heartbreaking. And I am I'm going to I'm going to take a take a, an exit here by saying this. Because the i30N drives like lots of other products I've driven from Hyundai, I'm going to crush that one because I know what it drives like. We get similar products. We get nothing like the Renault Megane RS, and that is that that is honestly not a great thing other places. I've driven on our road tour on our pilgrimage trip, and it's okay. On the track, it's great. So the Megane RS yeah. on track the Mercedes AMG A45 is a daily, and sadly, that does mean I crush the Hyundai. Excellent, Ooh. excellent Hyundai i30N. Oh, wow. The driver's seat photographer says, what car would you have owned in high school with unlimited funds? Would it have been a real car you could have bought at a dealership or something a little more unusual from a movie or TV show? Hmm. 
my car choices were influenced by my neighborhood. Oh, interesting. Okay. I had walked through. I saw an Alpha GTV. Mm-hmm. I saw a BMW Isetta, and this is all in high school. And I was, yeah, yeah, what yeah. is that bubbly little BMW? What is this? That this is a BMW. <laughs> I saw 911s. I saw GTIs. Actually, a upperclassman had a GTI. Like okay. his dad owned a dealership, and he had the GTI. I loved BMW M6s, but there was this one guy in my neighborhood. Okay, he always had Mercedes Benzes. Mm-hmm. But then one day a Maserati Biturbo showed up. I've told you talked about this again before. It's great. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't peel my eyes off this thing. Maserati? I guess that's where my Maserati sort of weird relationship stems from. <laughs> because yeah. I wanted that car. The interior looked exotic and beautiful and like no other car I'd seen. Mm-hmm. And and it was just it was kind of crappy, let's be honest. But I didn't know that. And I was looking at this thing. It looked different. Buy turbo, two turbos. <laughs> Wait, what happened? More you than can one? Do that? That's, <laughs> That's a <legal>? thing. <laughs> Love it. And I, it looked and sounded so exotic. He had it when it was new, and it didn't last very long. But I, <laughs> <laughs> Read between the lines. Yeah. Bought it new, went away quickly. I yeah. don't know if he was a dealer. I, I really don't know what his deal was. I, I. I mean, he had a lot of 300D Mercedes diesels. Okay, all right, yep. Coming and going, occasionally a 560 SEC. Okay. And I thought, ooh, you know, that's kind of interesting. And so I, I, yeah, my neighborhood was just eclectic. Neighbor that across the really street had a Triumph TR8. And My know, neighborhood the, was catastrophically boring growing <laughs> up, yeah. Uh-huh. And the neighbor was always working on this TR8. I mean, it never yeah, ran. Yeah. He was always working on this. But this Maserati, <laughs> okay. I just thought, that is so unique and different. And, yeah. and then years later, I come to find out what a pile of junk they were. It's like, <laughs> well, I didn't want to read that. I shouldn't have read that. I wish I didn't know, but I guess that's the car that I would have had in high school. On Facebook, Phil Guzman accused me of jumping the start in our drag race, and I begged to differ, sir. <laughs> I think my seats are too heavily bolstered. You possibly had seat issues, but I do think it's really funny. Anthony Zerg is saying that he likes driving around in his GT86. Remember, that's first gen, not the GR86, GT86. He says the gear chain isn't nearly, the gear change, the gear stick action isn't nearly as close to the great feel that he gets out of his old NA Miata. So he's raising this question, great question. He says, there's a lot of choice, we've talked about it, of cars available right now in manual, but he doesn't feel like most of the transmissions are very good. And this is an interesting thing. Our friends at Savage Geese talked about this at length. If you know 10% of the people buying your car are going to buy the manual transmission, you're going to put about 10% of the development into (laughs) making sure that transmission is good. Yeah. If it's 90%, then you flop the equation, okay? So one of the only issues that happens with modern manual transmissions is that as manufacturers have poured all kinds of money into making automatics good, Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Think about it this way. The ZF eight-speed automatic has gotten so good that BMW decided they're not going to make a dual clutch anymore. Think about That's already happened. Mm-hmm. The dual mm-hmm. clutch was the next thing from BMW. It was the thing they put in everything. The ZF eight-speed came along and they went, you know, we don't even need to do a dual, dual clutch. <laughs> right, so this right. is where the development has gone into the stuff that people are buying, which means there's less development dollars for manuals. You're right. Many of them are not as good as they could be. I will also say to you, Anthony, that the second gen, the GR86, has a nicely improved shifter action. And another car that has great shifter feel is actually the GR Supra manual. Yeah. 
Toyota changed how that fee- felt from the BMW transmission, and that actually is really, really good. It, it takes somebody in high enough up in a car maker to be like, no, 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 no. This manual needs to be good. And it's not always the case. So you're right. Just because it has a manual doesn't mean it's actually great. I know that is possibly revolutionary for YouTube and the internet at large. Manual transmissions aren't always the better transmission, but the good ones are so good. Alex HC09 asks, how does one get over the fear of buying something akin to Porsche and the IMS bearing or Shelby Hmm. GT350 engines and their tendency to grenade? The best thing you can do is be informed. Mm Mm-hmm. Nobody knows for sure whenever a new car comes out what the Achilles heel of that car will be. Sure, sure. You can, like I said, be as informed as possible. Jump on forums. You can read all about them. Early car reviewers will uh, will just you know praise it or hate it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. that all you can go on is their initial impressions because the car hasn't been around long enough to develop mileage and develop problems unless yeah, it is something yeah. so glaring that it pops within the first little bit. Porsche's GT3 is a generation back where there all was, the engines were done in the first year. Yeah. Yeah. There was a recent example of a GR Corolla that shredded its engine. I mean, mm-hmm. punching piston rods through yeah, the yeah. Uh, connecting rods. Through it, the, it was, through it the was very, case. it was very, very done. Yes. <laughs> On the other hand, Toyota immediately picked up all the cost of the repair work for something like $32,000 or more, which means you could almost just hand the person a new car. <laughs> Wouldn't that be easier? Fixing the engine. Anyway, yeah. Uh-huh. You'd think, uh, just don't fix the engine, just put in a brand new one. But okay, you know, however you're going about that. But yeah, the yeah. fact that Toyota stepped up immediately and, you know, I, I think they kind of learned their lesson to not delay, even mm-hmm. though I don't think the GR86 uh, RTV engine issue was their fault. It was more on the dealer because of the reporting. Sure. I think sure. Toyota immediately, you know, as soon as they learned the, the true story, they came alongside on that one too. be informed when you're looking, when you're shopping, do as much research as you can, but ultimately the probability of something like that happening to you is still fairly low. All things considered, for most of the time, it definitely is. I hear that. Peter Ronis is asking on Facebook, he said, is, is it for, this is fascinating, is it Ferrari's fault for the proliferation of screens now being put in vehicles on the passenger side? Remember, Ferrari was the first to do that, the little passenger information screen. that Originally, it was just mm-hmm. like RPM and total speed. And then it got a little bit bigger, and then we started adding. And now he's talking about the fact that the Cayenne, also the, the Panamera and the Taycan and the e- EQS, lots of cars are starting to have a passenger side screen. Now, the EQS, if you look at anything in Mercedes lineup, if they just decided screen is all that matters. Screen from left edge to right edge. I don't yeah. care where you're driving. There's a screen in front of you. I, also, I think it's twofold, Peter. I think it's that. I think Ferrari doing it is is something that shows that it's a premium feature. I think it's that combined with... Tesla making interiors that the only thing that matters is the screen. Mm-hmm. They make a centralized screen that both parties are using. They fill it with things like Netflix that you can sit there and watch or YouTube or whatever while you're actually recharging, you're watching your screen. All of these things and also the proliferation of screens in our lives because your passenger, if they're not looking up, is probably looking at their phone screen All of these things happen at once, though I do think that Ferrari really pioneers it because they make it a premium feature. Oh, you got the passenger side screen. Yeah, yeah. So let's do that for everybody. Porsche's doing it more. We're seeing that. 
Over on Twitter, Brian S. is replacing his daily driver, Mazda Speed 3. One car on his homework list is a Scat Pack Widebody. He hasn't found a lot of reviews on it because Hellcats get more views. Mm-hmm. Well, you're right. All the reviews he's seen pretty much say it handles better than expected. That's the whole platform, though. <laughs> Do we have any experience with them? We've driven uh, SRT, but specifically the Scat Pack Widebody. I don't know that we've been in one of those. No, we haven't. We can extrapolate our experience from driving all the Chargers and Challengers, just as on yeah. the platform, yeah, as you yeah. said, the big, heavy cars. But... There's no steering feel in those cars. The fact that you can change the suspension settings and actually make the car turn in harder than you think, I believe that's what the reviewers are referring to rather than it's not a big, spongy, heavy ride. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like that, and it carries its weight well, but you still feel the weight turning in. And then the farther you turn in, the more you feel that weight and the more you feel those dynamics adjust and go, okay, that's the limit. Yeah. I don't want to really push past that because now you're just introducing weight and physics and grip. That initial turn in though is sort of like, okay, yeah, turns in a little bit sharper and better. That's because it's a modern car on modern tires. Sure. That's a big factor. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, all the, all the reviews want to just add power. Let's do the Hellcat just because of the absurdity of that engine. But I don't know, Brian, that anybody is buying a scat pack, anything for purposes of handling. If that's your thing and mm, mm. you're coming from a Mazda Speed 3 and going to any <laughs> scat Those pack are not the same. Equipped that's very anything, true. Yeah. There is a world of difference. So I I don't know what you're you're thinking as far as what you want next in a car. He won't have steering wheel torque steer going to the challenge. Oh, that's true. That's true. You <laughs> won't have that. If you like that new diamond, you want to spend time with it. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. But those cars were not designed to be let's go attack a Canyon road, even though there's parts of it. You probably can. Mm -hmm. There's just other cars. You'd have more fun and fun in and have a whole lot better engagement and a better driving feel. They definitely do better than you think, but that's because the, to Paul's point, the minute you're in them, you're like, this is big shadow sniper on Instagram says, what are our thoughts on buying cars from CarMax? Now we all know that Doug DeMuro made himself famous and made CarMax famous by buying a Range Rover with the all in warranty and proceeding to try to bankrupt CarMax by having everything <laughs> he work. could find <laughs> fixed. I know and I and I don't know the actual nuances, but I know that their all in warranty has changed since then. Okay? <laughs> this is this yeah, is how it got ruined for everybody. But yeah, it's changed since but ultimately look, they I think it's a fascinating place to buy cars from. And this is not an ad. It's just one of those things where you can get everything you can think of. They're not trying to push a specific car on you. They want to sell cars, okay? So you can look for all kinds of things. They typically have got pretty good examples. Those examples are also typically at a bit of a premium from if you just found a random person selling that car. But, of course, what you're paying for is the infrastructure of, oh, but you have one of those across the country. You could send it to me. There's a lot of flexibility there that lets you, the buyer, go one place, and I think that's good. Uh, Your mileage will vary as far as the warranty and all how all that works. But I don't think there's any problem there if you're willing to actually kind of use their network to your advantage. Last question for me comes from Crash Test 01 asking which is the better upgrade from the base 987.1 Cayman? Mm. Is getting a base 987.2 or the S version of the 987.1? Interesting. Always the S. Oh, okay. Uh, the S All right. is my jam. Get the S. <laughs> Get the S. There's a reason. <laughs> yeah. It, it, is, it is a nice upgrade. And the 9871, or the 987 generation in general, is I, I think could be argued as the best 
driving Cayman generation. It is the most analog. Let's put it that way. It's the analog, most analog raw for sure. feeling for sure. And the 981 to the 98, pardon me, the 987.1 to the point two gets a little bit less raw. So what do you like and feel? If you like that mm-hmm. raw feel of that nine, uh, 987.1, I can see that. I can't believe we're that far into the Porsche weeds, but there we are. Somebody asked me, speaking of Porsche weeds, they asked me if I'm buying one of the new Cayennes since they've just shown the new interior. <laughs> It's got the extra screen. It's got the extra screen. I will say that I think it is a little bit of, I have to look at them side by side. It looks like a little bit of a pullback from the all screen fantastic version that they did. Uh, and I don't, I'm saying fantastic sarcastically on the third gen mm-hmm. where it went all, it was way too many screens. It looks like they've done a retraction a little bit. Of course, while they did that, they also added a screen over there by the passenger. Although based mm-hmm. on the spy photos that I've seen of the new one, I like your generation stylistically speaking the best. It's got some warmth to it. It's got some sensuality mm. to mm. the surfaces. Whereas the new one, I think, just kind of looks antiseptic. It's got the new Porsche kind of corporate look. Yeah. But it's a little bit too blocked off. Well, I think the third gen exterior-wise did get more sterile, and they're staying in that vein, which is interesting. I love all the buttons in our in our new one. I cannot believe I own two Cayennes. Oh, I didn't I didn't tell you this story. So many of you have asked, and you and you've asked a very logical question. Because we currently have the old Cayenne still in the fleet because it's a known commodity. Mm-hmm. As you've heard, winter is terrible here, and that's the one that currently has the winter tires on it. We thought, look, we bought a, we bought a Cayenne on all seasons at the end of March. It was like, how bad can the weather be? You Boy, that be was fine. stupid. Well, I should be fine, right? <laughs> and then we've been buried, so we've been glad to have the old Cayenne on the winter tires. It might stick around for a winter car. All of that is TBD. But one of the things that has come up a lot, many people have asked on YouTube and also here in the questions, are we going to keep it for my son's first car? What do you think? Have you made a decision? Interesting thought. Hadn't thought about it. It is one of those things. Look, I got the hand-me-down. That's why I wound up in line of caprices. I got the hand-me-down cars. Many of you listening, hand-me-down cars to kids. And my son and I, we've been working on kind of like the rough list of possibles. But here it is, Cayenne Drops. And I mentioned it to him in passing. And there is no other way to say this that it made him quite angry. I'm shocked at this. It's a Porsche. Yes, but it's a big, hulking SUV. And this yeah. kid wants a car he can interact with. And I, and I want him to be in something that's manual transmission, which obviously this isn't. Sure. This still may go this way. He's still, I mean, because let's be honest, he has me for a dad. So he started driving at least like on back roads way too early. And the first thing he ever drove was this old Cayenne. Okay. When he was about 10, <laughs> he drove it down, down a dirt road. Okay. Right. So, you know, there, there's some, some history there. So there's, also, I haven't ever shown this video, but I have kept it in reserve. The first car he ever reviewed was this Cayenne. Wow. When he was about four, he was determined to do a car review. It is one of the funniest, most terrible things you've ever seen. He walked around in different places, had me film him talking about the Cayenne. So all of these pieces make it make sense for it to be his first car. I just didn't expect when I mentioned, by the way, quite in passing, and I hit a nerve. Angry? I hit a nerve. Thirteen-year-old him. He was maybe maybe he's also thirteen. But it just he was like, no, I don't want that. I was like, buddy, we're talking about a Porsche Cayenne as your first car. You're not. You're doing okay. I was like, you're, yeah. you're, your Park City is showing, son. Yeah, no. But kidding. anyway, but I have oh to laugh. Gosh. We'll see where it goes. Well, this Thursday, one more reminder. That is the hot hatch piece. That yes. co- comparison between the GR Corolla, the Civic Type R, and we added a Golf R. I ought to go finish that piece. (laughs) I'm looking forward to this one. It's a cool one. Guys, thank you so much for writing to us. Love hearing from you, and we're looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone. 